0: Great. Good morning, good morning, everybody. Good evening. Uh, whatever time zone you're used to, um, I'm talking like I have a, I'm talking like I have a jet lag, but I just came from the East Coast, but y'all know why that is, because I have a one-month-old child at my house right now in, in Charlotte. So everyone that's here for the Innovation Summit, the uh, uh, the parents in the room know exactly what that means. But y'all don't know yet, and, that, and, that, and that's okay. Um, and don't feel bad for me. Um, yeah, you should pray for my wife right now because we also have a three-year-old, and uh, that and she's there with them. Should we look at the picture right now? Let's do that. Let's get that part. There they are. There you go. It's so cute. You can, It's uh, my... Uh, it's my, on one of my pinned Instagram photos, so if you need a closer, in-depth look into uh, the greatest woman God ever put on the planet Earth, Amanda Rose Rush, um, and the two future greatest women, um, Sayla Rose Rush and Zaria Zeal Rush. Y'all can just go right there and do the little pinch-in feature on Instagram and just get a little look at history. Will you guys do that? I, gray hoodie up there. Un- unlikely. Um, but I, I got some positive vibes from these people over here, okay? I like it. I like it. I like it. It's okay, dude. I won't care about your children either. That's all right, man. It's okay. It's okay. It's all right, bro. It doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter. Actually, you know what? I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to care about you even if you don't care about me, gray sweatshirt guy. I can't tell because of the lights, but you you also look bigger than me, so I don't know if I should be talking like this to you, man. I don't know. You might be like a like one of the basketball players and dunk on me or Anything like that? Uh, I'm. I'm. It's okay though. I've been bullied before. Okay. Like if we have to go fifth grade all over again, I can do this. Okay. I'm prepped for it. I've been there. This is my testimony. Um, yeah. Good morning to all the 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 delegates from the Next Gen Innovation Summit Year One, or as we've been calling it internally, Year Zero. Uh, so shout out to everyone that came from places like Wisconsin and got a great uh, church from the east coast up front right here. Second row right here. Seth and the crew, love you, my guy. Great church. I can't start naming names like Courtney from Compassion International here who talk about an organization who cares about innovation. They have an innovation department at Compassion International. And Courtney uh, from Compassion is here. I, I, I can't I can't start naming all the friends because there's so many. But I did want to say thank you to President Hagan and the team. Uh, what What's happening here at North Central is- is not normal, is not average, and we honor you, sir, we honor your family for what you're building, to the team, to Josh, wherever Chrissy is running this thing. Okay, North Central students, I'm going to teach y'all right here, okay, Professor John for a second, when we honor leadership, you put your hands together, okay, even if you don't know them, even if, come on, come on. <laughs> try, 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 try. All right, now let's go faster. That's good, that's good. I'm 30 now, so I'm like right in the middle between I'm young still, but I'm starting to get old man energy. This is exciting, okay? I got real sad for like a day when I turned 30, but now I'm like, okay, I kind of like this. I kind of like this, you know? I got dad strength, but spiritual dad strength, is, it, it, it's very different. Um, and, uh, of course, I want to welcome you, to North Central students. I, I grew up in Minnesota until I was 12. Um, the first Chipotle I ever ate at was in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Minnesota I love you cheering for Maple Grove and I told that to someone last week and they're like why do you know that and I was like because there was a day where Chipotle didn't exist okay and at that time in the organization they had such high standards of customer service because they didn't know if anyone was going to come back whereas now I feel like they've taken me for granted okay <laughs> goodness I've never in my life asked for the spiciest salsa on it so why oh why do I keep getting get doused over my bowl like I'm trying to be a volcano I don't know but that Maple Grove Chipotle, is anyone gone there recently? Is it still going well? No? Well, well, they—we got to get Chipotle's management uh, at the next one, President Hagan. We'll, we'll teach them. We'll learn them. We'll learn them real good. We'll, we'll teach them how to, how to operate. Uh, th- this morning, we're going to be in uh, John chapter 6. I'll get to that scripture in a moment. But If you want to turn your Bibles, flip your screens, whatever you need to do. And I thought that I would start today Um, Just by talking about some of the things that I hate the most about myself. Do you guys have anything that you hate about yourself? So like, here's one thing for me. I have, uh, I've been reading leadership books since I was like 16. And I really want to be, I want to be a good guy. And I want to be a good steward. I'm going to be a next, next gen leader. Listen a lot of Andy Stanley's conversations. And I happen to serve under a pastor who cares very much about the the, the following statement I'm about to say, but I'm that guy, this is what I hear. about, I'm like 57 seconds late to everything. Is anyone else like me? I get there right, okay, if, if I'm supposed to be there at 11, I get there at 11, but it's like 11.57. I had to run over three squirrels, tackle four people in the hallway and get there. I, I gotta fix, I gotta, I gotta work on this. You're 30, this is where, so I'm gonna get it right. I also don't like about myself that, um, that um, whatever it is that the people who choose to jog on Thanksgiving, whatever they have, whatever that is, I don't have it. I'm, I am a, I'm thankful to my forefathers for many things. Uh, one of them is great hair. In the name of Jesus, I could have low, I could have flowing locks like my friend Edgar. Um, it's just e- it's just easier this way, okay? Balding is not in my future. In the name of Jesus, but even if it is, I'm gonna rock it, okay? Coming into the trend. And I'm going to get a Christian version of the Avatar Airbender tattoo, and we're going to rock it, and it's going to be great. The other thing I hate about myself is that um, depending, on, uh, depending on the science, I have uh, or which doctor I go to, I have some form of ADD. Um, so right now, my mind is screaming about the fact that when I was a kid, when you went to the Mall of America, which if you don't know, it's the, one of the greatest places on earth, but it was not... Nickelodeon town, there was a holy place in Minnesota, a set-apart place. You don't know about this place. You guys don't know about the way the Lord moved at Camp Snoopy. I love it. This is so unfair. I've got, I got uh, my friends and our team leading worship, and I'm like, in Minnesota, this is unfair. Unfair advantage, home field advantage. I love it. I love it. This is great. So there's a lot of things I hate about myself. Last weekend I was here, um, uh, President Hagel was kind enough to uh, help me and um, one of our uh, associate pastors get into a Vikings game. We beat the Cardinals, not by the margin that I would have liked, but we beat them and I got to be there and it's fantastic. And he was touring me around this school and I was thinking about the fact that this event is going to happen and even my good friend Grant like, came up just flew from Dallas hugging me and said, oh man, we're doing this, it's happening. And, and so... All last week, I have this this mental understanding that the moment we're standing in was indeed going to transpire. We we gather church leaders and business leaders and people that are my friends, people that that I look up to. I get to walk onto a stage. You know, when I first heard the, the, the word elevation, I was 17 years old, and Elevation Church had just celebrated five years of ministry under the leadership of Pastor Stephen and Holly Furtick, and they had released a, a, a documentary called This Is How We Change the World, and I had it on DVD. And I was taking that DVD around. I, said this to, I think I said this to one of the, the, the classes last week. I was taking it around, trying to find anybody in Rockford, Illinois, where I was doing ministry at the time. I just started interning. Um, interned for four years, by the way. Okay, God will use any process. Okay, just trust, just trust him. Just trust him. And uh, I was trying to find anyone who would watch it with me. And then this, no, everyone was like, well, it's around, it's around. and then this girl named Amanda said, I'll, I'll watch it. Can I borrow it? And wouldn't you know, I just decided to marry the one girl who loved Jesus more and was a better leader than me in all of Illinois and all the world. But it, but it, but it started there. And now to get to serve on this team. And, you know, it was, it was not until uh, almost 12 years later that my wife and I got the opportunity to, to be a part of Elevation at Charlotte, North Carolina. In fact, there was actually something that um, we almost set our hearts against because we made a commitment saying God did not call us to um, a certain church. He called us to, to his church ultimately. And even more than we felt at the time that we felt called to a church, we felt called to a city, Rockford, Illinois, the 815. And now I'm up here leading, you know, this session, helping be a part of leading this conference get to be where I wanted to be back home in Illinois. Some of my youth kids are now like the youth pass. I mean, it doesn't, in many ways it doesn't get better than this, but why at 30, why in the very halls that I'm about to speak, can I not just walk around and just think about how I wish that there are certain things that you didn't know about me. And, and this is how, this is how I know that there's an anointing on something that God is asking me to speak is of course it's centered around Jesus and built on his word but it's normally when he leads me to talk about something that I'm very uncomfortable talking about. And, and, and personally, you know, don't, don't be careful. Don't be listening to too many pastors who try to get up there and be like, we're going to talk about a hard subject today. And then they go on and talk about subjects about other people's lives and sin journeys that they've never lived and don't have any friends that actually relate to that at all. But they act like it's difficult. They're like, oh. And I'm like, no, you just, you just kind of like you just kind of throwing down on a topic, but you don't, you don't know the story behind it. No, 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 no. You've you got to find the message that, that makes you reveal something about yourself that you're a little ashamed of. Which is difficult to do as a leader because I can't get up here and be telling you all what I texted my accountability partner yesterday. That would be a little bit inappropriate. But if I only talk to you about what God saved me from when I was 16, well, that's pretty irrelevant. So we're stuck between, am I inappropriate or I'm irrelevant? And oftentimes, actually, right there in the middle is the thing that you're almost half healed through. It's the, it's the, in the, in the Old Testament, it would have been Jacob's limp, you know? He never really got over that limp. Or as the New Testament describes, uh, the, the thorn in Paul's side, that, 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 that thing. My pastor one time preached a message about the thorn in Paul's side called the mentor you didn't ask for. So here we are, and we're talking about Web 3 and virtual reality and social medias and innovation. And gaming, is, playing video games, is a huge part of my story. I don't want to get into all of that I want to talk about right now. But, you know, didn't have any brothers, went from the cities, moved to rural Minnesota, where uh, them boys did two things. They farmed and they played football, amen, you know. And I did none of those things. I had a three-in-one illustrated version of The Lord of the Rings by Sir J.R.R. Tolkien. So it did not make sense to me why they had a problem with that. I had one sweater from Walmart. Y'all don't know about the Bum brand. Well, my mom got me out here? It's already a cheap sweater, but it's called Bum. And I'll never forget to this day, fifth grade, I know where I was standing. And Kelsey, Kelsey, I shouldn't say last name because of the internet, but I know her last name. Kelsey So-and-so walks up to me and goes, didn't you wear that sweater yesterday? (laughs) And now I get to pay a counselor to help me walk through the amazing encouragement that Sister Kelsey gave me on fashion. And when I was in high school, I got to um, I actually was part of the very first wave of kids trying to play competitive video games. There's this 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 group, uh, Javier will know this. Well, my friend, you'll hear from him later. MLG Major League Gaming. And it was like you could maybe make 50 bucks by paying 500 bucks to fly to an event and sleep outside. To you know, now kids are like, I'm pretty sure the, the Fortnite team um, uh, at this school makes more money than I do right now. OK, so the and I, 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 I committed my high school life to, to, to competing in Call of Duty and Halo 3. And then when I was 18, there wasn't really much of a future in it. And, but somehow years later, you know, all throughout my life, God has always used this little passion of mine. But can I just be honest with you guys? Let me, let me, let me get there. I, I, did, I was trying to come up with anything to talk to you all about other than video games. I was like, I am going to find the most so you got to be careful. Whenever you tell yourself you're about to make something the most theological, it's probably the least theological. And I was like studying. I was like looking at old uh, notes from uh, classes that Dr. Tennyson spoke in like the 90s and just stealing them and listening to his message at VU. And, and I was just, oh, I'm going to, mm, you know, and I'm going to show him. Because this is, this is the voice that screams out in me. Do you have this voice? I'm more than that. And, and, and it's interesting to me how something that God is using so much as a gift in my life is also something that still is marked by, by, by so much pain in my life. And my, my question to everybody here today, and it was the question that God asked me when I was walking these halls last week, it's the question is, what are you hiding? When we hear that at church, <laughs> it gets kind of scary. <laughs> Come to the front right now. We're gonna write on a whiteboard everything you've ever thought, your darkest. De- ah, you know, hey, there's a place for confession. I think it's actually underrated in the church right now, and 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 we need a resurgence of that. But 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 in front of everybody, out of context, without action steps, you can miss me with that. I'm not here to ask you the question. What are you hiding? That that is this gross sin that could take you out. I'm wondering if there's maybe a gift that God has given you that for whatever reason you can't figure out but you're ashamed of it. There's this boy, John chapter 6. See, and then I got mad at God. I'm like, God, you about to have me preach with the little boy and the five loaves a story that even if you don't go to church, you've at least heard of it. God, I want to, like, the scripture that Dr. Tennyson used, I don't think I've ever, I don't even think that was in the Bible before today. But, but God used Dr. Tennyson to bring it into reality. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, the grandfather of genocide and Cason, oh, my gosh. Like, my, I'm, my mind is destroyed just from hearing that. But here, here let, 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 me, let me give you something to hold on to, and then we'll get into the text this will help us go where we're going. This is something that God told me and I think it speaks to every leader in this room, every future leader, every future spouse, the friend, who you are going to be in the future and who you are right now. He told me your need to be impressive is the thing hindering your impact. Your, your, your incessant need to package what I've given you in a way that is extracurricular than the way I've designed you in a way that needs to fit into their standards and her standards and their opinions, it's the thing that's stopping your impact because you're waiting for the moment of feeling and being and looking impressive by culture standards or the random person who's falling asleep right now who sits next to you standards. Meanwhile, God never, ever, ever needs to consult what man thinks is impressive to use somebody to be impactful. John chapter six, sometime after this, Jesus and his boys are on a ministry tour Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him. Here we go. This is great. Ready? For he already had in mind what he was going to do. Even right here, the posture of Jesus removes the pressure that we feel around packaging our gifting in a certain way. Because while we think we're the mastermind, the master plan, we've got to figure it out. We've got to steward it. We've got to brand it. We've got to package it. We've got to do all the things. Don't be, be there two minutes early. Two minutes late is on time. And, hey, you know what? D3 now is basically the same thing as D1. And if you're a D3 athlete, you got to go pro and you got to and you've got to. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Listen. listen. Stewardship is a, is a message for a day. But right now you need to know that whatever you think is your plan, God already had in mind what he was going to do with you. So it's less of a question of how you're going to package it and more of a question of are you just going to follow the person who authored it in the first place. Yeah. Remove the pressure, G. Yeah. Remove the pressure. Then he says in verse 7, Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. So the problem is real. You are facing some very real problems in your life. We're facing very real problems in our culture. You know, faith. I love this about Jesus. He's never one to try to minimize the scope of our problems, but always trying to maximize the depth of the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of living a life designed by God. But this is a very real problem. There's a lot of people. They weren't necessarily expecting them. They're out in the countryside. People are hungry. Even if there was a bread store that had that much, Philip's like, Jesus, you know what you pay us. You you know, you know we, we don't have it right now. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Verse 9. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? We'll get back into the text in a moment. But let me, let me just remind many of us or clarify for some of us how the text transpires. Jesus takes what that little boy offered up, and he's able to use that little to meet a big need. I don't normally have that kind of faith on what God's put in my life day to day. So I'm up here trying to be like, God, I need to show them I'm a smart pastor. I need to show them I'm a leader. I wonder what they're going to think about me because two weeks in a row, you travel to Minnesota and you have a one month old and three, you know, so many pastors, they, they fall away these days and they don't, they don't really take care of their families. And, and I, I, guys, I, I I spent most of the time preparing for this message, trying to answer the hypothetical questions you might be asking yourself about me that you probably aren't because you don't think about me as much as I think about me in the same way that the people that make you insecure really aren't thinking about you that much. They weren't looking at you. They were just distracted across the room because they're glazed over look because they've had like five like homework assignments in the same day. It's not that deep. Man, because growing up, and this is, y'all, let me just, there are very few like old man things I'm going to be like, well, young people these days. Let me tell y'all something. Pastor Terry Parkman was preaching an amazing message. And it was interrupted. No, no, no. Seasoned. There was a catalytic moment that enhanced the delivery. It was the sound of the North Central University Valorant players, dumpstering someone across the world. He's trying to tell us that, in fact, God will be the one that will actually send us into exile, but it will send us into exile, activate our faith, and right in the lobby, here, ah, let's go. <laughs> Gamers. When the Vikings played the Cardinals last weekend, y'all, y'all, y'all who are into it, you know what, what the number one criticism of Kyler Murray was coming into the weekend? The new Call of Duty came out. Bet you not going to be watching no film. Bet you, bet you Jared Allen's going to come out of retirement and tackle his head off. You know, hmm, you know? Kyler Murray just played. Because Kyler Murray is also a paid Call of Duty influencer, athlete. They, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. But my story growing up, even when I talk to people, old, it's like people can't say the word gaming without like a snicker. Last week I was with someone and they were like, oh, you're going to go hang out with your, why are people like this? Gonna... Like they're totally normal. Are you going to go spend time with your gamer friends? I'm like. But isn't this true of so many of the things in your life? How many of you feel minimized into one of the more public aspects of your life? You feel cornered by people's opinions and the labels they put on you. They they paint you into a corner. And you're like, I'm an athlete, so I can't be a spiritual leader because I gotta gotta be stoic. Because that's what great sports teams have is stoicism. They're just really quiet, you know? (laughs) You know... You know, Maybe you come from a, a family of, of ministry background and you've been to all these camps where every time they're celebrating salvations. Uh, some of this won't make any sense to y'all. Some of this this will be very real. Uh, salvations, how many people spoke in tongues for the first time? And then how many people got called into ministry? My Jesus, help us, Lord. What if when you hear the term pastor, it makes no sense with what God's put on your life, but you know you want to do big things for the kingdom of God? So you're torn and you're painted into a corner and God God came to tell us today and he's using me to ask you the question, what are you hiding? Because you're scared that it paints you into a corner. What's interesting about this text, is this young boy, there's a lot of ways we could read it. It's it's the only story that's told in all four gospels. John is the only one that records that it was the boy that had the bread and the other ones, the the apostles, are are either taking the credit or giving the credit. Hey, Hey, Luke, it was me. Someone else, is like, I thought that was a button. No, he wasn't there. He was just a, that was my cousin. I had the bread, right? Me and. Maybe you're, you're sitting there like this boy, and there's a lot of ways to read this, but Andrew had to go find him. Sometimes we preach this story like, and God's just looking for a young man to step up to the front, and you know, so come forward right now, and hey, If the boy was already in the front, Jesus never would have asked what the problem or the solution was because it already would have been there. Philip's thinking money. You learn a lot about people but what their knee-jerk reaction is. Philip's thinking money, which isn't necessarily bad. Andrew, and if you study Andrew, he's one of my favorite characters in the Bible, referenced very seldomly um, in the Bible, but the the two things that Andrew is most famous for is he's the one who found Jesus first and brought Peter to Jesus and was willing to use his influence as a recruiter and understood the true test of a leader, which is not can they see me, but can I bring people into the limelight who will perform even better than me? Andrew was willing to bring his more talented brother so that his legacy could be buried underneath the name of his brother, Peter. And so is it any wonder that later in the text, we don't see Andrew for a long time, but where, or oh, where do we have a problem? We don't know how to solve it. Here is Andrew, the master, who goes, I might not have the solution, but they might. Maybe Andrew has a gift of identifying leaders and potential. Maybe some of you need to stop looking for a public gift of leadership and realize that if people never know your name, but you know how to lead a team, you know how to organize some goals, you know how to pull some people together, you might never hold a microphone, but let me tell you, we need far less microphones and far more builders. We need some people with a hammer in their hand, not so worried about this thing. So here comes Andrew. See, I just get excited. I preach about him for too long. He had to find this boy because I think this boy is like you and he's like me. He has what everyone's looking for and everyone sees it as a solution. But he sees it as not enough. So God, I can't get up there and talk about gaming because then they're going to relegate me to that. And they won't see me. And can you imagine if I had hidden the very thing that God was trying to bring to the light. So, lots of stories about people hiding in the Bible, some good, some bad. Esther was hidden in the palace, Moses was hidden in the basket, Joseph was hidden in hardship. Yeah. Jacob uh, or Abraham hid his wife twice, said it was his sister. It's really weird. A lot happened with that, a lot of ramifications. I'm going to need Dr. Tennyson to walk me through because. You know, but then there's somebody who hid something in the Bible, and it was when Jesus was telling the parable of the talents, and he's talking about three guys, and he gave them each different quantities, and and 5, 3, 1, depending on on the translation you're reading, and the one with the five did something with it, multiplied it, brought it into the light. The one with the three multiplied it, brought it into the light. The one with just one talent, y'all remember what he did? He buried it. And this is what God's been working on me. If y'all pray for me, this is what you can pray for me. He's trying to get me to understand, John, hiding yourself so that you appear humble. It's not what I've asked of you. You see, I live in this awkward tension between if I'm out here in public with the gifts I feel like God has given me, then maybe they're going to think I'm prideful. So what do I need to do? I need to go back here. Let's pretend like I don't like to preach. Let's pretend like I don't have vision. I just hide back here. Yeah, I'll do, I'll do spreadsheets. <clears throat> Which I will and I have and I do. But there are people who are better at it than me. But, but, but we hide aspects of ourselves because for whatever reason, one of your giftings is, is linked to one or many moments of hardship and bullying and fear. You know, people used to tell me coming up in church, hmm, you want to preach? <sighs> this is how I felt it. It's probably not how they said it. Well, just surf for a while and God's going to beat that out of you. Okay. Yeah, okay. Like, so all that stuff I did in high school, like public speaking at a young age of 16 and they used me and like, that's not God. Okay. And let me tell you, to this day, Ain't a person in this room except for maybe our campus leadership pastor Greg Boschen right over there that can do pipe and drape faster than me. I'll take any of y'all on right now. I have a competition on the lobby. I got saved in a portable small church, y'all know what I mean. Middle school, gym, hotel, uh, uh, convention center. I know the business. Let me just read from my notes just to bring this home for you guys. You're asking the question, what am I called to? Am I called to be this? Am I called to be that? Am I called to preach? Am I called to be a gamer? Am I called to be a dad? The answer you're going to find with Jesus is that you're probably a multifaceted person. And while not every one of your giftings is a 10, you probably have a lot more several giftings than you think and you give yourself credit. You need to focus more on what you're called to than what they call you. Don't let their labels limit you. Dig deep into what he's Calling you. You got to stop thinking that hiding makes you humble. Listen, following Jesus when you're picking up a cross is going to hide you on its own. Let me tell you. Real biblical Christian leadership of being a shepherd, being a good husband, living up to the biblical mandate of what it just means to be a friend, which, by the way, our standard is Jesus. Doubt. That- Just doing that will hide you when you need to be hidden. But some of you are trying to stop God's attempts to bless you, promote you, and use you. Because you think God's as insecure as all the people in your life. It is the most, it is the most, I don't want to say elementary like, no duh, but It is one of the most foundational realities of life is that we will paint on God our experiences with people, from people. And so you have to unpack well in biblical community (laughs) with people who are your age and older than you asking the question, where did I get this belief? Because God doesn't need you to dim your light so that he can shine. Do you know, and guys, this is, I'm talking to me. Do you know what level of low, what level of a low view it expresses of God that we think that we're gonna compete for his attention in the eyes of others? I'm not saying there's, there's, a, there's, there's a way that you can point the limelight on yourself, but I'm saying there are some faithful people in here like me, and I'm asking you, what are you hiding? Because it's time to bring it to the light. Because this, this young boy, what he was Hiding in the background was the thing everyone was looking for. The thing that he was hiding, they were hungry for. Some of you right now are caught up in a false sense of confidence, a false sense of humility. This is called insecurity. It's linked to shame, which is coming from sin. You're caught up in the sin of thinking that God isn't big enough to work out the gap between your character and his calling. That God's not great enough. That, that, that you know how low view of, a, how, how low it communicates to the cross. That we think no, I just got to keep burying myself. I got to keep playing the background. I can't show my gift. I can't speak up in that meeting. I can't speak up in the class. I can't do this on the sports team. I sit on the bench. Maybe you sit on the bench but God's called you to be a leader. Maybe you're not the person in charge in the room but you've been given influence. And maybe the person that's in charge has a lot of vision but really poor logistics and God what would he do maybe he'd send someone like you to be in the room and raise your hand and say actually I love where we're going but if we go that way you're going to drive us off a cliff and we're not going to go where you want us to go God's gifted me this way what are you hiding what are you hiding what are you hiding even the apostles who found him didn't think that it was enough They ask the question, how far will they go among so many? How far will they go among so many, referencing the fish and the loaves? Some of the deep pain some of you are feeling is that the person who you started in the faith with no longer finds you functional. What happens when you don't get the next job, the next promotion? What happens when that person's the student leader now? And what we start to do is we start to translate their doubt in us as God's denial and I came to tell somebody today their doubt in you is probably just because God's doing something different through you don't for a second limit what God has called you to to fit their mold when I believe God has called some people in this room to break out of some chains to break things that are hindering culture I'll end by saying this and then we'll, we'll pray and Christy or President Hagan or Josh and they'll come close. I think this ties it in with the event that we're doing and it's a, it's a lie we need to break through but the essence of innovation is less about discovering something new. It's more about uncovering what God has already put on the inside of you. You're looking everywhere else for greatness and you're interpreting greatness through external means. And there's people who are like in leadership in church. They're like, I bought seven VR headsets. We're doing that. It. It's like, what if we just like fed people? What if we found some, what if there was a, a school who sent out both pastors and business leaders and politicians? And what if somehow the business leaders could leverage their financial gifting to empower the church to make sure that anyone who's hungry in a city straight to their door, they've got food. Anyone who needs mental health counseling straight to their door through the local church, man, we're looking out there for innovation. God's like, it's already in you. You've already got it. John chapter six closes with Jesus reminding them that they're too fascinated on the bread of the external And he reminds him that he's the eternal bread. And I want to tell you, let's not let our talents, confident generation, let's not mistake the vehicle with the destination. You are not the final stop on the tour. Jesus is. But I promise you he wants to use every experience you've ever had, every gift you think is dumb, everything you're hiding, every way you're playing it small. And he wants to use it to say, hey, people, come in here. Let me introduce you to the son of God, the author of life, the alpha and the omega. And when you're willing to move out of the hiding, people are going to experience healing. When you're willing to move your gift out of a false sense of humility, sabotaging God's attempts to use you, people that were hungry are going to be fed. So show up this week. Show up. Let the Holy Spirit tell you you're being cocky. Stop using other people as the only barometer for your spiritual success in life. Get some good mentors around you who know you and won't just correct you. Show up this week. My goodness, y'all are gonna pastor and lead my daughters. I would rather have a group of people who run so hard after the things God have called them to that we have to pull them back than have to go through what I went through feeling like I had to play it small so that I could make God big. God is so much bigger than our need to minimize what he's already put on the inside of us. Jesus, thank you for my friends. Thank you for what you're doing in this school and in these individuals. I ask that that question, what are you hiding, would in a good way haunt us a little bit. To have some conversations and to journal and to write some things out to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for this. I'm going to go for this. I'm not going to hold back. I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring it to bear. And God, maybe like gaming is a mixed bag for me. Maybe there's some moments that that are, are tied to people's trauma, but they're actually attached to one of their talents. Help them navigate it, Lord. And for every leader and every student in here who maybe is asking a different question that Jesus asked in Genesis, that God asked, why are you hiding? God, if in our path to realize the fullness of the gifts you've given us, we need to confront some hidden sin, in the name of Jesus, Empower them to do that, Lord. Holy Spirit, help us. Send friends right now. Give people gifts of uh, words of knowledge and prophecy to help make it a little bit easier for us to come to light with it. What are you hiding? Why are you hiding? Let these two questions move us forward into our week and the rest of today and the rest of our life and legacy. In Jesus' name, amen.